Today's lesson is on three keys for an effective church. Now we're going to define the word effective before we pr uh, proceed. Effective, the adjective meaning producing or adapting to produce. And effect, efficient, ready as an army. Three keys for an effective church. And you know, uh, we know that he's wanting to build an army, not an audience. And for that army to be effective, there are three in key ingredients. Number one, uh, three basic ingredients for a local church to be effective. Number one is organized. Organized. Number two is discipline. Discipline. Number three is unified. Unified. Now, when we talk about a church here, we're, you know, anybody can say they're, they're a church. But what we're talking about is when God's called a local body to be a church, these three main ingredients have to be effective in order for this church, uh, I mean, in order, in, in operation for this church to be effective. So we need to study that. And, and these three things, or to be organized, disciplined, and to be unified, goes into every area of your life. You know, if you, if you work in an area and you have strive, you're not in unity. And... Uh, so you know who's in the middle of strife. So we're going to look at this. Um, the first one we're going to look at, well, let's just go on. We can't be effective in the body of Christ if we have a maverick spirit. Uh, a maverick spirit is one that roams. You know, they go to this church, they go to that church, they go to this one, they go to that one. But they're not, they don't belong to anything. And those people won't take correction. They're not disciplined. They won't take discipline or correction from anyone. Uh, you know, um, there's many places that the spirit, you know, there's many houses in my neighborhood, but only one of them I call home. Okay. Uh, um, so we need to belong to a local church. Uh, don't belong to someone, a maverick spirit, they don't belong to someone not branded by God. Remember, we've studied that you've been divinely selected. So if you have a maverick spirit, that means you don't belong to someone uh, and you're not branded by God. Now, when we talk about being branded by God, we're talking about being divinely selected. We're not talking about man branding you. Uh, remember in Exodus and then also in Deuteronomy where we talked about the bond slave. Once he chose to stay with his master, he was branded. It's a spiritual brand by God now because he... he, he, he divinely selects us and there's a, there's a brand so to speak upon our hearts and it's towards God we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ um, and then that's where we so that helps us right there that will help you not to be a maverick spirit but it's you know it everybody decides that too because you know just because my kids uh, that's their home that doesn't mean they live there you know when I mind do the one that's not married but you know you know what I'm saying. Everyone needs to be involved in a local church. Everyone needs to be involved in a local church. You know, who's going to bury your dead? Who's going to cry with you? Who's going to marry you? Uh, we're not talking about that. Listening to TV evangelism and et cetera is not bad. It's good as long as they're based upon the Word of God. But we need, you need to be involved in a local church. Um that's where you because a shepherd the people live with you uh they want to grow with you they'll weep with you they'll have joy with you rejoice with you so everyone needs to be involved in a local church and that's where you grow that's where you grow uh organized we're going to look at organized uh 
turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're not going to read the whole chapter. There are some verses I'm going to read uh, and, and pick out, and I'll tell you. But um, it's very important that you take time to go ahead and read this whole chapter and read it several times I have. And the more I read it, the more I get into it. But what he's teaching here is, you know, the, the Corinthian church was well known for its spiritual gift, but it was also the most carnal. And they needed they needed some ardor. They they had a had a zeal, and then they had um, an excitement for the spiritual gifts, but they had no order to them. Now you have to understand, we are not in no form or no fashion trying to. You know, people say, "Well, you get too organized, you organize the Holy Spirit out." No, we didn't write the Bible. Uh, the Lord had that done, and so in fact, He wrote it. But what I'm saying is, there's. In organization, there's room for growth. There's room for the Holy Spirit to move. And as you read uh, 1 Corinthians, you'll understand that because he's talking about the gift of speaking in tongues and prophecy. But in the church, what they were doing was was they were all prophesying at one time. And and uh, when one speaks in an unknown tongue, in 1 Corinthians, read this, it edifies that person. Uh, in verse 4, he, he speaketh in an un, unknown tongue, edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. In other words, if we all just come in here and this one speaks in tongue and this one speaks in tongues and there's no prophesying, those that are around that do not understand, uh, have the interpretation, are not edified. And that's what, that's what you know, speaking in tongue is good, and, and but in the church it has to have order. And even so, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it tells us if you speak in tongues... Uh, pray that you'll interpret. So when you're even in your prayer time, it, you can pray in tongues, and then the, the interpretation of that can come. You know, the, everyone in the church uh, that has the the the, um, uh, the evidence, the Holy Spirit by the evidence of speaking in tongues can prophesy, but you have to mature into that. You have to grow into that. And uh, one of the first things would be to do is to, to ask the Lord for interpretation of your, in your prayer private time but this is what was happening and they were all speaking and, and no one was getting edified no one was getting edified um we're going to read verses uh seven through nine in first corinthians chapter 14 and even things uh, without life giving sound whether pipe or harp except they give a distinction in the sounds or in the tunes, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? Unless there's an organ, organized uh, effect, and if they're on the same key, you know, it's an organized sound to get, even though they're dif different instruments, then there's a distinction in sound. For if the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to battle? So likewise ye, except ye utter by the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye shall speak into the air. See, there's no, there's no uh, subsidy to those that are around. They don't know what's going on. Just like, uh, like they said here, you know, you got to, if any of y'all have kids in band and they all start, if you hear them just tuning their instruments, they're all going through the little thing. There's not a distinction in that. But once they get them all tuned up, and they and then they begin to flow in in the order that their instruments, but they flow together. That goes with organized. That goes in discipline, and that goes being unified all together. It makes a beautiful sound. It makes a beautiful 
harmony. You know, I mean, it just flows. And that's what he's talking about. That's why it's so important to have organization in the church. And not only in the church, but in your life also. And 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33 says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. God wants order so that he can do things in and through us. So he does want organ, or, to be organized in the church. Another thing that you will find in reading 1 Corinthians, he said, let the women be silenced in the churches. Well, what was happening is the, in, in that particular day and time, the men sat on one side and the women sat on the other. The women were unlearned. So when the, when the speaker would say something, they would holler to their husbands for their husbands to interpret. Well, you know, you get two or three doing that, but you get a whole household doing that. And you can imagine the uh, confusion. So that's why, you know, God's not the author of confusion. He wants peace so that those that are are there can hear and receive from him. Uh, verse 40, um, he, he concludes on verse 40 in this particular chapter, let all things be done decently and in order. Let all things be done decently in order. You know, if I were you, I'd underline that. And, and, and keep in mind here, uh, I, I say this way, if, if it's not in order, then it's not decent. Now, let me tell you something. These things you can take home with you, but think about it. If it's not in order, then it's not decent. It's not being effective, in other words. It, and, and that's what we're wanting to be. We're wanting to be effective. Okay? We're wanting to be ready as an army. We want to be able to produce and, and be efficient. Okay? Dece decently means decorously. D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S-L-Y. I don't direct decorously, like you decorate, okay? <laughs> Gracefully, becomely, honorable. So decently means decorously, okay, I said it that time, gracefully, becomingly, and honorable. Okay, order is an, an arrangement with a given military sense. And order is an arrangement with a given military sense. Now that's hard on the flesh, but you know, um, you sweat more in peace than you'll bleed less in war. And there's another one. The more you sweat in preparation, the less <clears throat> you bleed, excuse me, in battle. Excuse me. So we know that God is raising an army and not an audience. We all want to be in the army without the order, and it just doesn't work. There's nothing fun about the preparation of the in, in order uh, in the military sense. But when you're out in the battle, you thank God that you have that military, that you have that discipline, you have that order given to you. So, um, an uh, order is an arrangement with a given military sense. Your position is based on character, fashion, quality, and style. Your position in the church is based on character, fashion, quality, and style. Now let's let's stop here a minute and said your position here is not talking about uh, your place of authority you know if God called you to be in the nursery then you you, you need to be uh, you need to have character in that area it's important if he called you to be a doorkeeper then character is important here also so he's not talking about position as an authority he's talking about your place of call where he's called you you have to is based on character fashion quality and style 
okay? God's order is planned out for us in His Word. God's order is planned out for us in His Word. God's not going to go against His Word. The Spirit of God will only follow after the Word. God and the Spirit are not going to tell you something that is contrary uh, or contradictive of His Word. You know, God's not like us. A lot of times we say one thing, mean another, wish we'd said this. What God said, that's what he meant. He's not going to change. And um, he didn't have to. He said it right when he first said it, and he meant what he said. And see, there's order in that. Okay. Psalms 119, 133a says, Order my steps in thy word. That needs to be our prayer, that God would order our steps in his word. But we need to be available to do that. We need to be available to take the take the orders that are in His Word, so that He can order our steps. Psalms thirty seven twenty three says, "The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord." Example of of ordering our steps being ordered in His Word is tithing. Tithing is God order God's order for your finances. Uh, if we have a problem with tithing, it is with our flesh because it is undisciplined. So the order for our finances would be to return the tithe unto him and to give offering. But when we ha begin to have a problem with that, it's in our flesh because it, it's undisciplined. Now, undisciplined flesh is going to give you more problems than any area of your life, including the devil. We like to put a lot of blame on the devil. But, uh, and if you think for a second that that bothers him, he enjoys getting the credit for it. And he gets far too much credit because we need to face up to where we have undisciplined flesh or flesh that's not willing to, to uh, submit to the, to the order of the Lord in any, any area. We need to own up to that. Repent, of course. And, then, and, and ask the Lord to help us to get it in order, to, to be able to help us to get it um, in unity with him because our flesh is hostile to God our flesh squeals we don't want to do order we, we, want the, we want the rewards of being organized of being um, disciplined or, and being unified but our flesh does not necessarily want to do those things that would, would equal the results of having been organized, disciplined and unified so we need to work on that. And God's going to help you. God will help me. Um, number four here is arrange your step by God's word. If it's not what God says in his words, you're not going to do it. You're not going to fall for it. You're not going to make this one exception. And that's how we need to get that, that dogmatic, if you please, in that. Uh, Hebrews 10, 38 tells us, Now the just live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. You know, so living is living by faith. It's living by God's order, by God's word. And we are the just, and we won't draw back. And that needs to be our confession. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 34. He says, If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set 
in order when I come. Now, in this particular particular area right here, he's talking about coming together in communion, having the communion, um, discerning the body of Christ in communion. Uh, they were coming together. They were uh, to do this, but they were doing it unworthily because they were doing it as a meal more than having a communion with the Lord. That's why he said, if you're hungry, do it at home. There's an order for it. You need to examine yourself when you come in and take it. Because if you come in here and you're, you're, it, and you do it because you're hungry, you take communion because you're hungry, then it's taking it unworthily. See, so there's an order in it. And he said, he said, look, take this one correction and the rest will I set in order when I come. So there was more that they need to set in order when he came. Um, so we need to keep that in order. Uh, Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, uh, he's speaking, um, he's a young young pastor, and he's giving instructions to him. And Titus, let's see. Titus chapter 1, verse 5. For this cause, and he'll show us what this cause is, left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I have uh, had appointed thee. The reason he set, left it in there for this cause, it was to set things in order. That the things that were left undone, he left him there so that he would set them in order. Uh, um, one of the things he said is to uh, and ordain elders in every city. And then he goes on to say, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused or right or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught, that he may be able to be, uh, by sound doctrine, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. There was an order for him in, in picking the elders of the church or ordaining the elders of the church. So see, there, there has to be order in your life without, you know, there can be no orders, order in your life without orders being given. Uh, a good example of this, when you set the alarm clock, and when that, when that trumpet sounds, and that's what it sounds like in the morning when you're really dozing off, that's an order. In other words, it's time to get up. And how many of you have ever... Uh, keep hitting the snooze button. Well, you're going to be late, and then you're going to wonder why the confusion, the disorder in your life, because you, you didn't, you didn't listen to the orders that were given. One time, I got up and moved, moved the alarm clock, because I kept hitting the snooze button so much that it was making me late all the time, and I wasn't organized. I wasn't, you know. Then everything seems to fall apart when you're running late. Hello, let's get it organized, right? Organizer, one who organizes, directs, arranges, or gives order. An organizer is one who organizes, directs, arranges, or give orders. Now, let me let me say this: you by nature may not just, you know, there are some of those that are by nature are are, are just organizers. Uh, my daughter's one of those. Just by nature, she can just go in and organize a room or whatever. Well, I can do that too, but it takes more time. So you can learn how to become organized first. Under what, understand what it is, and it, you know it may it may be harder for you to come or be organized. But yet, 
you can still become organized. Okay? So, and it is easy to organize things. You know, you move the couch, it's going to stay there. It's not going to move when you turn around, turn around and walk off. It's going to be, it's still be where, where you moved it. But it is difficult to organize people. You may, you may stand this person here, you know, but then you turn around, that kid's gone or whatever. But yet, organizing people is the most important. It is the most important. Uh, like I say, most difficult, but most important. Because why? Because they have mind and wills of their own, and 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 we we need to learn uh, to submit ourselves to the authority. We've been uh, we've been over that, and uh, submit ourselves to the Word of God. Most part, First Thessalonians chapter two verses ten through eleven. First Thessalonians. 10 through 11 you are witnesses and God also how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children that you would walk verse 12 worthy of God who hath called you unto the kingdom and glory Okay. He dealt with them as, as a father would to the children. Second Thessalonians 3, 6 through 12. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't suggest it. He commanded it. That you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day that you, uh, excuse me, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves as an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Not them that are such we command and exhort, but our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. In other words, you know, they were too busy being busybodies, and yet they wanted to eat their bread, you could say that. Or they wanted the results of being orderly without being orderly, and yet he went out of, uh, Paul went out of his way uh, to to make sure that he showed order, that they lived their life in order as it, an example, an example, verse 9 says, as an example, as an example to us. So here training is showing and telling. Training is showing and telling. He told them, but he also showed them. Okay? He told him, but he also showed him. So training is showing and telling. First Thessalonians 5.14, now the Amplified, says this. And we earnestly beseech you, brethren, admonish, warn, and seriously advise those who are out of line, the loafers, disorderly, and the unruly. Man, he was really admonished them. He was really giving them warning, wasn't he? Because he says, you know, we need to stay away from those that disorder are disorderly. So he says, and we earnestly beseech you, brethren, admonish, warn, and seriously advise those who are out of line, the loafers, the disorderly, and the unruly. 
So those that are, you know, out of line are loafers. They're, they're disorderly. They're unruly. Okay. Proverbs 27, 5. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Now, not all discipline is, uh, is this sharp. The only time it has to be this sharp is when you haven't received it. When you haven't received it, you know, um, because, you know, God gives you warning. He, 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 he does it through the preaching of the word. He does it with the written word when you read the word. He does it. He'll deal with you with your spirit. But if you, if you fail to heed to his warnings, to his, his correction, his secret love where he's correcting you, then it does come down to open rebuke. Why? Because he loves you. Okay, so it doesn't have to, all discipline is not this sharp. Before warning the unruly, make sure you are an example of the ruly. Before warning the unruly, make sure you are an example of the ruly. Uh, you know, don't, you know, Paul was able to, to say this because he, he was an example because he didn't walk disorderly. So he wasn't trying to correct the disorderly and yet him doing it. So, you know, um, disorder will get you in trouble. Disorderly means to be neglectful of duties, to be lawless, irregular, or inordinate. Disorderly means to be neglectful of duty, to be lawless, irregular, or inordinate. You know, you're not consistent. You're, you're unorderly. You're um, disorderly. You're in inconsistent. You're not regular. Bible tells us how shall we how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Our neglect is cause is causing us not to be able to escape those things that have come against us. So you know, uh, in order it is ex excessive and unreasonable lack of self restraint. So we we need to be orderly. The Greek lexicon gives notation of soldiers marching out of order or quitting rank or quitting rank. An army must be organized to win. It has to be. You know, you don't win a win a war. You don't win a battle by happen chance. You're organized. You strategize, and you have to be organized in order to strategize. Okay, disciplined. The New International Dictionary to train to obedience or subjection. In other words, to drill or to educate. To drill or to educate. Training that strengthens. In other words, our, you can even say this, training is repetition. Training is repetition. You know, the army doesn't go out there and march one time and call it train. They do it on a consistent basis, on a consistent basis. Even the minute things in, in some form, they, they do it on a consistent basis. Why? It keeps them in shape. It keeps them in line. It keeps them, you know, keeps them up on top of things. So, you know, it keeps them educated. Discipline is one time in the Bible and it's chastisement or instruction. Discipline means chastisement or instruction. Discipline means chastisement or instructions. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, the second part of that says, My son, despise not thou the chasing of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him, when thou art corrected of him. Okay. Uh, Job 36.10 says, 
he opened also their ear to discipline and commanded that they return from iniquity. Verse 11, if they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. There is a benefit, and you need to keep this in mind, in all correction, there is benefit. Okay? You know, that if they receive it, they spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The word teach means make disciples. Make disciples. You know, Jesus said in John chapter 8, 31 and 32, If you continue my word, then you are my disciples. Indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you continue in him, you're continuing to be training. You're continuing in and being taught uh, and corrected in some cases. You're learning, and the truth that you know is the truth that sets you free. It doesn't say that the truth shall, uh, and the truth shall make you free, but it's the truth that you know, and you shall know the truth, and that truth that you know shall make you free. Okay, number three, there there can be no character without discipline. You weren't born with a perfect character. You weren't born that way. We're disciplined into it. We we uh, our character is through discipline because any any given moment, as times goes on, we would you know we might be uh, at a weak moment moment and want to give up the character, our integrity. So there has to be discipline in order for us to maintain that character, okay? To be unified is to be one or together. Psalms 133.1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is, pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There's peace there, right? Ephesians 4.3 Unity is an endeavor. Unity is an endeavor. It's work. It says endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's Ephesians 4. Unity is an endeavor. It's work. You have to strive for it. You have to work for it. Uh, you will never achieve unity without discipline. It's, it's working together. Uh, um, discipline is working together. Uh, you know, uh, Pastor Ronnie has an, had an uncle that had a rock machine. And in that rock machine, what, what you would do is you'd place uh, rocks in this machine, and then you put water in it, and then you would turn the machine on, and what it would do, would, it would agitate. It would agitate each other, the rock. And you do this for a couple of weeks, and as you did this, it would knock the the edges, the rough edges off of those rocks. And, and it, within, I think it was like two weeks, all those rocks would be as smooth as as that you could so smooth that you could make jewelry out of them the the rough edges it was work on those rocks you know we all have rough edges that together rubbing us together and i believe the waters are like the spirit of god when when we work together there's rough edges on all of us that need to be that need to come off and when you do it in the spirit and it's work and it's hard and sometimes it will look to you like you're the only one that's doing the working of working together, but that's not true. You know, the other person may be thinking the same thing. Now, we're not to to purposely to go back and and um, uh, knock the edges off each other. 
you know, we're supposed to live and supposed to do what we're supposed to do according to the Word of God. You know, it's like correction. You know, sometimes people correct you and, and, and you know it and they know it. But there's a lot of times that people bring correction to you that they don't even know it. It could be something that they're telling in their life and how God dealt with them not to do this anymore. And and without even realizing it, they brought correction to you because God's been dealing with you on that or because you didn't know you weren't supposed to be doing that or because you did, but yet you needed correction on it, you see. And sometimes they'll know it and sometimes they don't. And it doesn't feel pleasant and comfortable at the time. Uh, but we receive it. Now let me tell you something. Working together in the body of Christ, in life itself, you will have the opportunity to get your feelings hurt. Once again, you're not alone. Pastors get their feelings hurt. Congregation get their feelings hurt. We're all people. We're all flesh. But that's what we're working, to come together. Now, now I'm not talking about purposely the pastor's going to hurt you or you the pastor. I mean, that's that's a malicious spirit uh, uh, motive. But what I'm saying is, is you know, you got to keep your heart pure. It's an endeavor to keep your heart pure. He told us to keep our heart, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. So you've got to guard your heart. It's an endeavor. It's working together. But God's the healer of it all, right? How long is this endeavor? Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we are in the unity of the faith, until we reach the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, until we reach maturity, until we reach the statue or the age of the fullness of Christ. So how long is this endeavor? Until we become in total unity. Okay, until we are in, in unity of the faith, until we reach unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, until we reach maturity, until we reach the statue of the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ being the, the fullness of the anointed one and his anointing. So our endeavors are going to be everlasting. We've got to continue in this until we reach the fullness of Christ. You're always learning. You haven't matured. And I, I believe when we go on, I mean to the fullness, I believe when we go on, we're still going to have some growing to do. But that's how long this endeavor is. Until we are in the unity of the faith. Listen, we should be gaining ground each day. Every day. We should be gaining ground. Okay, conclusion, God is very organized. God is very organized. He's not the author of confusion. God is a source of order. I mean, for, for one to be able to create the, create the heavens and the earth and all life that belongs on it uh, and in the sea and stuff, he has to have a source of order. He is organized. He's highly ordered. No orders, no organizing. No orders, no organizing. No discipline, no unity. No discipline, no unity. No unity, no effectiveness. We can't say that we're all in unity if we're all going in 15 different directions doing our own thing and then we all say we're in unity. Yes, there are different callings. The ushers will be doing one thing, the nursery worker, the children's worker, the song leader, the worship leaders. You know, we're all doing different things, but there's a distinction in the order of it so that it flows together. 
it flows together. It's not like they're all doing their own thing. It's they're doing their doing their order. It's it's remember in in First Corinthians that distinction sound coming together. They're all doing it distinct distinctively, so that when the trumpet sounds, it comes out and effectiveness and it being effective, it comes out and produces an effective church. So three keys of for it to be an effective church. Three keys for us to be uh, effective as individuals is to be organized, disciplined, and unified. We are to be organized, disciplined, and unified. And, we, and we, when we put these into operations and keep them into operation, we will be and we are an effective church.